Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. On this episode, we talk to NPG sax player Adrian Crutchfield about his new album, Shelby J's new remix, Funny Prince Stories. He also answers fan questions and much more. And now, here's your host, Dr. Funkenberry. What up? Welcome everyone to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Chris, thank you so much for the intro. You're welcome, Doc. How you doing? Doing great. Much love to everyone out there. Thank you so much for subscribing, for letting people know about us, for just supporting the tweets, the Facebooking, all of it. Spreading the word. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Today, we have Adrian Crutchfield on. Adrian Crutchfield. One of our favorite guests. Love him. Uh, promoting his new album leap which is on itunes now and peer-to-peer distribution we're gonna get into that he's got a new track with shelby J, which we're gonna kick off the show momentarily but right now we're into a few news items so last week we kind of wanted to do a special episode kind of after the court dates and everything else going on but there really was no resolutions there was a lot of Talking going on, a little bit of mudslinging. Um, nothing's been resolved. Later this month, possibly. They're going to reconvene. Some arguments will be made. And we'll go in from that. So until that's done, not really going to talk about too much about it because nothing was resolved. Um, we're still having the... They have to start filing for taxes or an extension by this Saturday. And they're going to basically probably close to $100 million have to pay in taxes to make sure that the government does not get Paisley Park and other things. Wow. This is why you need a will. And this is so people are like, you know, I, I, he's too controlling to have a will. I'm like, dude, he did not want to have one. Everyone we talked to, he just did not want to talk about it. So let this be a lesson because I'm sure this is not what he wanted. Although he didn't want to think about it when he wasn't here and what happens, you know, so just frustrating. And then a few, um, things as it kind of touched base on the golden globes last time. Yes. Yeah. We have, we have a correction and retraction. We, we we were getting into it and we didn't really think that. Yeah. The golden globes. We called it the Emmys, you know, Hey, it happens. happens. (laughs) Well, Everyone I put knew what we were talking about right? the the Meryl Streep speech, which I, which I said we wouldn't talk about. And we're not, but at the end of it, she said, "Take your heart and turn it into art." Oh, so I, I put that. that on my social media accounts, and I think people thought it was my quote when it was her quote from Carrie Fisher. So she was quoting Carrie Fisher, and I was quoting Meryl Streep quoting Carrie Fisher. I think some people thought it was my quote, and it wasn't. And you weren't trying to say it was your quote. No. no. Yeah. That's why I had it in quotes. I didn't say dash Dr. Funk. It's, right. The Golden Globes were watched by millions of people that night. Fear they get it. Some people didn't. Some people just liked it and moved on. It didn't. It's a great quote. So <clears throat> we have that. Then as we know, when we went through all the stuff that was found uh, that they're doing a record for of the vault, we know that's not a full list because there are songs that were not told. And we even said that last time. Right. It's not a full list. Right. And the Prince tribute um, copyright was purchased after he passed by the estate, 
just want to be clarifying that as well, that we're aware of it, you know? So those are those things. Okay. And we're just waiting. We know we heard that the Grammys want to do a tribute for Prince, but we haven't heard who's going to be on yet. And the Grammys are now less than a month away. Are they really? Yeah. Wow. It's the week after the Super Bowl. So they so. got to start doing uh, pretty soon. They're going to have that uh, time frame. It's like two weeks. Don't they take over the, the Staples Center where the Lakers and the Kings have to take off and the Clippers take off for two weeks? Just ridiculous. I just don't know Maybe who they're going to get regardless of it. Like cause they wanted surprised. Bruno Mars and other people and they haven't responded yet hmm. as far as we are aware. Yeah. So we'll see what goes on with that. So, I don't know, man. But it's just going to be one of those times where there's been a lot of news happening. Mostly we're hearing about new books, new things going on. Yeah, it's going to get really, uh, really uh, popping around And if here. you don't get your celebration tickets soon, prices are going to go up on those packages that they still have available. Right. I just saw so. something come out that uh, they're going to do their first price increase. Very yeah. soon. Craziness. So the VIP is sold out. Yeah. Right? So this is just for the general admission. Yeah. But um you gotta get on it. Then we have more other, more things going on the week. You have like a kind of like candlelight message or picture taken at Paisley around that time now. Then you can kind of see the gate. Then uh, I believe April third and some other dates before then, they're gonna allow people to leave stuff and uh record stuff free of charge. Hmm. So they're going to be doing that as well. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So they're trying, they're trying to get stuff right. We really haven't heard too much regarding the universal merchandising deal. Just that they said what we thought they would say is that they're going to go after the bootleg material first, the unauthorized t-shirts they are on Amazon and Facebook. Although we still see them up. It'll take a little bit of time before you start seeing it disappear fully. So hurry up and grab those bootleg Snoopy Prince shirts while you can. That's you saying that. I ain't <laughs> no, I'm saying just kidding. nothing. No, that stuff, it's, yeah, it's got to stop. It's really ridiculous. I ain't saying nothing. Yeah. I just want the estate to be ran like the Sinatra estate more so than the Michael Jackson estate is all I can say. Yeah. To where you have box sets and other stuff come out through the years, reissues. And the thing is, though, is that Paisley, they have a lot more at stake. The Sinatra estate was set. Will was made, everything else. But I kind of like how they flow everything out and make big deals, have deals with HBO for specials and other things that go on when they're doing the 100th anniversary celebration two years ago. So just want it to go on and be good and be funky. You know, so I got the Purple Rain remaster to look forward to later this year. Sure, we'll have other things going on. Yeah. And uh, look, and we all know that we want him here because then this most of this stuff wouldn't be happening or going on. But, you know, we know it's happening. That's why, you know, as much as we miss him, we still enjoy things coming out like the one you want to see video, which just dropped over the weekend on that was awesome. someone's Facebook page. Page and then other people pulled it off that don't give credit on other social media accounts. Not exactly Facebook, but other places. It's like, I don't care. I'll put it on, put it on the fan page. You know, just look, I want him here too, but he's not here anymore. So 
We get things like this that he didn't plan on being shown while he was here. And now we're seeing it afterwards. So I like the coloration of it. Uh, someone that was on the video set didn't even remember <laughs> of shooting the video for it because they shot so many videos. I want to. That sounds about right for name uh, names. Prince. Yeah. Just in case, like that was taken off the record. Um, I'm just looking forward to this week of shows that we have. We have Adrian Crutchfield, our our guest tonight. He's going to be at the Mint Thursday night because of Nam's in town. Then Ida Nelson is going to be at the Mint LA on Friday. Apparently, Andrew Gucci is going to be joining her now. Excellent. MPG bassist. He's bad. He was just named one of the 100 ba- uh, best bass players, I believe, by Bass Magazine. So that's cool. Cool. <clears throat> then we have Princess. You have the time. You have Mono Neon. On Sunday, Los Globos. It's going to be crazy this weekend. Yeah. Great and, great weekend for music in LA, that's for sure. And yeah, Princess Thursday night at 8.30, Adrian 11.45. Then you have Friday, Izzo, which is what I'm going to, not the time. Now, can you tell the audience who Izzo? Because I didn't know who Izzo was until yeah. you told me, and I thought it was pretty cool. She's on Boy Trouble, which is on the Plectrum Electrum Third Eye Girl record. Plus, she's also on Ida's album. Doesn't she have like the really weird, like she has some really crazy rap, right? Or I don't even know if it's English. Right? Is it? Why don't you go on Friday and find out? It's like, (laughs) I just, if you listen to Boy Trouble, it's just really crazy. I want to see her live. And we have that Friday night, 8 8 p.m. with with an opening act. Then 11.30, you have Ida. See, Prince trained us to do these two shows, one night thing with after shows and all this stuff. So oh, yeah. We know how to do it. Zipping all he, over. He taught us well. So it wasn't like, oh, no. Like Adrian didn't go, oh, no, Prince is playing this night, so I can't play. He's like, well, I'll do it at 11.30. Same with Ida. I'll do it at 11.30. You got Izzo in the time. Yeah, that's cool. See? We're going to be able to see everything, right. hopefully. Yeah. So cool. So I'm looking forward to this weekend. What I'm looking forward to right now is our boy Adrian Crutchfield. We're going to get this interview started. Remember, he's here promoting his new album, Leap, which is available on iTunes and Peer to Peer, plus the new Shelby J track featuring Adrian Crutchfield. You want to drop the title on that, Chris, before we play it? It's called Good to Know. And here we go on the Dr. Funk podcast all the time I spent with you when I think of your love I know it's true if I had another choice I'd still choose you infatuated your style so cool The way you treat me, I'm so grateful, babe
Shelby J featuring Adrian Crutchfield. What's the track, Chris? Good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> now here we go with our Adrian Crutchfield interview on the Dr. Funk podcast. Uh, welcome, everyone. We're here with our special guest, Adrian Crutchfield, with his new album, Out Now, Leap. Adrian, yes, of course... With the MPG horns and playing with Prince and just coming off doing a few shows with Lionel Richie and he's in town this week for NAM. What's going right. on, my man? Man, you know, I'm in town. I'm happy to be back in L.A. <laughs> L.A. is like a, I don't know whether to call it a second or third home to me because it's always a toss-up between L.A. and Minneapolis, mm. you know, or to be technical, Chan Hassan. Chan Heasy. Um, yeah, Chan Heasy or or, uh, or 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 L.A., but um, you know, both are like second homes for me. But anyway, it's good to be home. <clears throat> um, and it's a little chilly, but I'm not gonna hold that against you guys. Yeah, it's Blame California us. chilly. It ain't really chilly. It's just California chilly. Yeah, no, it's to... a little chilly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Compared to Chan Heasy chilly, though. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it doesn't it doesn't compare at all to Chan Heasy chilly. Yeah, it does not. All right. So last time we talked, we have this new album out called Leap. 
And now yes, you're kind of doing it with the peer-to-peer distribution. You want to hit people to what that is? Okay. Peer-to-peer distribution is one of the most genius things out today created by the one and only Prince. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's a network of peers, fans, people who listen to the music, who sell the music so that somebody who has nothing to do with the creation of the music isn't profiting. Um, you know, most of the time, the labels uh, basically take advantage of the artist by uh, creating this demand for distribution and production, mass production and all that stuff. And, and you know, once the labels take it over, they, they're taking a percentage out of your cut. Mm. Uh, and they're making a reason. That's what they're doing is that they make a reason. They say, well, we... You know, we're going to get it out there. We're going to we're going to sell it for you. We're going to push it for you. We're going to promote it for you. We're going to produce it for you. We're going to get, you know, all these things done when in actuality, it's all done in the house. This is what they don't really want to tell you. Um, They own, you know, most of the time they own or have invested into the companies that are doing this work for them. So they're not really spending any money. Right. But they take a percentage of your money to uh to help you quote unquote uh move your product well prince was very hip to that and uh he decided with hit and run phase two uh that he did not want to give the labels anything Mm -hmm. and so uh he did this very genius thing of having fans sell his records Mm -hmm. uh he would sell it to the fans at a wholesale price and then they would turn around and flip it and sell it for him. They mm. made a profit. He made a profit. The people got the music. It was music by the people for the people. You know, it was a beautiful right. thing. I don't understand why nobody else had thought to do this in the past. <laughs> um, but that's what peer to peer is, and it didn't. It didn't stop with Prince. You know, uh, Judith Hill's record went through peer to peer. Eda's record is doing well with peer to peer. Yes, my record is going to be available through peer to peer, and I'm pretty sure that there are going to be a whole bunch more Purple Army records coming out through peer to peer. Cool. See, and that's that does, awesome. It just ensures that you know that the people <clears throat> are the ones profiting and not the corporations. Right. You understand? Yeah, because the so first cool. time he actually started doing peer to peer with Hitron Phase Two was January 21st. 2016 last year for yes, the piano microphone shows at paisley park yes it was so very cool because yes, he was talking about it on twitter right now at this time last year uh-huh. when we should do with them like we can start selling it at paisley and then you kind of respond back like why not everywhere i'm like we can start at paisley though and then right, uh, right. it went everywhere i mean um he had his assistant and other people contacting diehard fans that they knew and some other people to buy boxes and sell in their towns. And he was wanting me to put it up in Amoeba and other places, basically taking care of California. I'm like, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) He thinks I'm wrong like that, but it was cool. I mean, and then by that, by the end of the weekend, there was fans with boxes going to Perkins going, Hey, he wants me to start selling these CDs. Who wants to get some, you know? So it was a very creative way to do it. Get the fans to, be your PR people basically and help you exactly. get that money. And who better? Who better to do it than the fans? Who who better to sell your records 
than the people who believe in the records. That's right. The people who listen to it. You now, know, how um, these you know, the labels, you know, I hate to bash the labels again, but I don't care. I'm not signed to anybody, so <laughs> I can't get in trouble. Right. Um but the labels, you know, everything that they do is based on formulas. It's not based on the art of it. It's not based on the organic art and creation. It's based on what do we know is going to sell, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's what they base everything on. So when they want to sell your record, they're going to mold it to what they want it to be so they know it will sell a certain amount of records. And, you know, fans don't care. Fans just want to sell your record because they love it. Right. They love you, you know. And so that's what makes it beautiful. Craziness. It's very cool. Now, how long did it take you to put this record together for Leap? Oh, man. Leap is a, is a, a culmination of probably seven or eight years of music. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I started writing Leap. Uh, some of the songs on Leap I wrote before uh, private party huh. uh, um, and some and most of it most of it I wrote you know after private party you know uh, while you know finishing up college and and, uh, and and moving back to North Carolina and and dealing with like oh man all kinds of things uh, frustrations of not knowing what I was gonna do and you know originally when I when I first got out of school, I I wanted to move to LA. That was my thing, you know. Um, and I ended up moving back to North Carolina because uh, my mom was out of work, and I wanted to make sure she was okay. So I moved back right. to North Carolina. I had no idea that the music scene in North Carolina was still as prominent as it was, and I'm glad it was. Um, right. But leap. Uh, let's see. Yeah, probably seven or eight years of of music there, and it's about personal experiences. It's about. Um, Things that I witnessed people deal with, you know, when my friends come to me and vent and talk about their problems in life, I, I write music about it. Hmm. Um, and uh, but mainly uh, the song itself, Leap, uh, is is a is a is a couple of things. Number one, it's supposed to be a uh, an honorarium to what the quote unquote smooth jazz uh identity is supposed to be um which is the creativity and the and the the leaps and bounds that we made to be different you know when smooth jazz first hit the radio and first hit popularity in the in the quote-unquote i guess in the 80s um uh, the music was much more versatile than it is now and i'm not i'm not saying that to to, to pull shots at anybody in the industry right now but you know if you listen to the radio now and listen to what is labeled as smooth jazz. Right. Um, it's not the same as you know what is essentially jazz fusion. That that's what smooth jazz was. Mm-hmm. And um, so back then the music was exciting. It was new. It was daring. It was aggressive. And uh, that's what I wanted Leap to be. First of all. Uh, second of all, the song, the meaning behind the song, is what we talked about before, and that's my conversation with Prince about uh, putting out my own music and he uh, him and him kind of lashing out at me and, and basically, you know, giving me a, a good talking to about not wanting to be an artist. Uh, 
you know, like I said, I told him I was I was content being a side man to him. Hmm. And he was not he was not pleased with that answer as I thought he would be. Hmm. Uh, so he he sat me down in, in mono neon as well. And he started telling us about publishing and why it was important that we had our own music and we owned our own music. And uh, and and he started just schooling us on that stuff. <clears throat> and he lectured me a little bit more about being my own artist and putting out my own music. And he said, uh, one of the things that, that I said to him was that <clears throat> I was happy because I always wanted to be the Maceo Parker to his James Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the most meaningful things he ever said to me was, that's cool, but what's Maceo doing now? And what that meant was, James is gone. Mm-hmm. Maceo had to still be an artist and do his own thing. You know, and so uh, that really hit hit home. And Leap, the actual song, is about taking that step and just having faith in myself as an artist, and not depending on the idea of being a sideman to anybody. Um, right. You know, sure cool. I can be a sideman. That's that's my niche. That's what I'm known for. But people need to know that I'm not just a sideman. And so that's what taking the leap is all about. Right. It sounds like he gave you that talking to you that he gave me where he's like, you need to get, you need to get your hustle on. You need a hustle. Exactly. Exactly. He was, uh, you know, he, he just gave me what I needed, you know? Um, I don't know how to explain it. It was just that, you know, he put the fire behind me. And so, you know, and like I said, that was our last actual, like full out, like serious conversation. Huh. And so when he passed, uh, it became like a mission for me. I had already been working on the record. You know, and my thought my thought process was um, to have something because we all know Prince, and we know that he could get bored at any minute and just mm-hmm. to- go left yep. and choose to do something completely different. Yep. Right. And so from day one, from day one of getting the call to say, "Hey, you're going to play for Prince," I was preparing myself for that day where they're going to say, or they're not going to say, "You're playing with us." You know. Uh, because that could be the the case is you just one day you just stop getting the call and it doesn't mean that you're fired or anything it just means he just he just went in a different direction and so i started recording the record probably in 2012 um just preparing myself for the possibility that one day he may get bored with this and we may not be working and i need to be able to catapult and do my own thing and um and so when he passed not only was it like, you know, just time to do it, but mm-hmm. I, I wanted to honor him and what he told me. And so right. I had to do it. It wasn't just a, you know, well, you should do a record. It was like, no, you have to do this record now. Right. And, so, and there's even a song that I dedicated to him on the, on the record called Slow Down, which is, uh, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's an honorarium of his, of his style and, and what we all know and loved him, you know, the most in the 80s. That rock and roll ballad, uh, cinematography kind of thing, is beautiful. And we happen to have that song, so why don't we listen to "Slow Down" right now? She dances like 
he was here right now. Prince my sins. Sing along. Now we have a Facebook question here. Okay. It's from Jods Robs. That's the real name. <laughs> While jamming with Prince, I expect you had musical freedom, but when recording, were your parts set in stone or could you roam? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, when recording, uh, he would kind of sing to you what, what the idea was. Mm-hmm. And, it was always so nerve-wracking because he was, you know, he's so used to having musicians that can just do whatever he says, mm-hmm. you know, right on the. And for me, I like when I'm recording, I like to go in and do a couple takes and, and then pick the best one. And he would just do the take, do the take, do the take. So I was always scared to death <laughs> um, because I would always feel like, man, that take was horrible, but. What he would do is he'd, he'd sing the part for me, and then I would play it, and then we'd record it. And if I if I messed up, like, or if I played something, an alternate to it or something, he may say, oh, let's, let's go back to that. And then he'd take that and then have me build on that idea. So there was freedom and, and structure at the same time. The ideas were always based on something that he came up with, and then I would just kind of elaborate it, I guess. Right. Very cool. Now, another Facebook question before we jump to get some Twitter ones and a few other follow-ups. This is from Marnie Peterson Long. They want to know who is playing that funky bass on Leap and those sweet keys on Mr. Right. (laughs) Okay, so I got to give a shout-out to my North Carolina homies. Uh, On Leap, that is a gentleman from – well, he's not from North Carolina. He's from Indianapolis, Indiana, but Mm. – his name is Kanash Lisman. He is my go-to bass player in the Charlotte area um, and a very, very, very close friend. Uh, a lot of you also know of my dog, uh, Duke the Mastiff. Duke and is, is, is a shared custody dog with myself and Kanash, my <laughs> bass player, his family. So 
That's nice. where you'll know Kanash from. So that's the bass player on Leap. He's amazing. I love him to death. And actually, believe it or not, that is one take on bass. Oh, damn. He did that's... that take in one take. He listened to the song three times and he did one take. Wow. And, that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. On the keys on, uh, what song did they say it was? Mr. Right. Yes. Mr. Mr. Right. Mr. Right. That is uh, a very dear friend, like since childhood. Uh, his name is, and he's a he's an awesome producer. Uh, his name is Evan Bryce. Evan, Evan Bryce. Uh, is the son of guitarist Eric Bryce, hmm. who toured with uh, Israel and Newbreed, Shaka Khan. Hmm. Um, likewise, Evan has toured with Israel. Evan has toured with <laughs> Usher, uh, and he's a member of the X Men. He's actually the the spearhead of the X Men, who is the band that will be backing me on Thursday night. Very cool. Awesome. Some people were also wondering if there was going to be any tour dates with this band. You know, I don't know. The The issue is that these guys, um, this is my North Carolina family, mm-hmm. um, Evan and CJ Thompson, who's another phenomenal musician, well-respected musician, and CJ Mercer. Um, these guys are all touring musicians with different artists. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, one of the hardest things is, getting us all in one room together mm-hmm. um, You're right which ironically ironically like in charlotte <clears throat> we have a jam session every other tuesday um just so we can have a place to fellowship and be around each other cool because mm-hmm. we know that's the only time we're going to be in town and mm-hmm. even then half the time some of us aren't there so um i'm hoping for some tours some touring in the future but uh i have no way of, of anticipating that right now all I can do is enjoy the moment, and I'm just looking forward to doing this show with them, as this will be their LA debut as a band too. We can't wait. Yeah, and I don't yeah. know if we uh, if we really talked about it on this episode yet, but uh, Adrian, I think this podcast might be coming out right around the time that you're uh, performing. So I don't know if we've talked oh, about yeah. it last week though, but we're really excited to have you at the Mint here in LA uh, yeah. coming up this uh, Thursday, the 19th. Right. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be so much fun, man. Yeah. And I'm bringing I'm bringing the X Men. <clears throat> I'm also bringing uh, I'm bringing this band called the Queens Guard, another Charlotte based band. Cool. Um, I just want people to see that you know North Carolina is really happening. Uh, a lot of people don't know, and we have a sound just like Minneapolis has a sound, just like mm-hmm. Philly has a sound, just like Dallas has a sound. North Carolina has a sound too. Um, you know, a lot of the MPG are North Carolinians. Right, we know Shelby, Shelby J, right? Yeah. Cassie, John Blackwell, Marcus, Lynn, mm-hmm. Joey, you know, we're all we're all North Carolinians. And so um, you know, I was born in Virginia, but I still claim North Carolina as well because I spent a lot of time there. My mom's there, you know, I went to school there. So um yeah, but at the Met, we're going to have the Queens Guard, which is another great jazz fusion band, and I'm bringing uh my production partner who's a rapper named BA who lives here in LA. He'll be there as well. Very cool. cool. Now, yeah. speaking of Shelby, she just dropped a remix of her single today that features yes, you on it. Yes, it does. Tell us about that because we're going to be playing it on this episode too. Sweet. Okay, so Shelby has a, a single uh, and uh, it's called Good to Know. And um, it, it was brought to my attention by a mutual friend of ours, production uh, partner and Keyboard is uh, Derek Bartell in Charlotte, and North, another North Carolina guy. And um, 
he uh, he hit me up and said, "Hey man, I'm doing this record for Shelby, <clears throat> and uh, I think it would uh, sound good with some sax or some vocoder." Right. <clears throat> and of course, as soon as he said it was for Shelby, I <laughs> was I you know I was like, "Of course, I'm gonna do. It better not be anyone else but me." <laughs> um, right. That's my sister, and I love her, and I want to play on anything she does. And uh, so I, I listened to the song, and I really just I couldn't decide on what to do. So I did a take on vocoder, and I did a take on sax, and uh, it just came out really nice. And then Shelby, uh, it was supposed to be a surprise to Shelby, you know. So she um, she called me a few days later, freaking out, like, "Oh my God, I knew you were going to play on it," you know. <laughs> And uh, you know, and we hit it off. So I think eventually I'm I'm even gonna do an instrumental version of that song. Ooh. But it's a really hip song, man. Cool. It's really positive. You know, uh, Shelby has a way of writing songs that are just what we need in the time that we need them. Hmm. She has that talent. And um, and you know, of course, I think we spoke about this before, but Shelby and I go way back. Like that's when I say that's my sister. I mean, since before. Purple Army since before MPG, Shelby. Uh, Shelby was with me on my first official tour uh, mm -hmm. with Anthony Hamilton, the first like real tour I ever went on. She was on it, and so she's watched me grow, and I've watched her soar, and uh, you know it's just good to be able to still have that relationship. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear the song because it's really amazing. Cool. Now, another question that we have, this one comes from Twitter, <clears throat> Raven Nicole. You kind of touched on this a little bit, but they want to know what was the inspiration for the Leap album. Aside from Prince and some other things, what was the inspiration on the Leap album? Life. Um, just life, man. Uh, <clears throat> every song, man, there's so many different avenues I could take for that question. Um, oh, man. My first record private party i did fresh out of college i had no idea what i was doing um i didn't have any kind of way of marketing it i didn't i didn't understand the record industry as much as i do now and and i was a wild card i was you know young and ambitious and i didn't care what anybody said you know of course i understood that they wanted me to pick a category and stick to it and play that kind of music mm -hmm. but i refused and i thought you know what I'm going to do this and people are going to like it and it's going to be a success anyway, regardless of what they say. And, uh, and I'm going to be rich from it or, you know, whatever. And, and that was my outlook on private party. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> Everything what? that they told me, well, it happened. You know, uh, the radio stations, you know, wouldn't play the, the urban stations wouldn't play the music because it was too jazzy and had saxophones. The, the smooth jazz stations wouldn't play it because it was too urban and it had rap on it mm. and urban vocals and, and a beat, a hard beat, you know? And so I learned a lesson. And mm. um, so this record, I had, I had a choice to make. I could either conform and do what they tell me to do or I can do what my mentor taught me to do and shove it in their face. <laughs> and that's what I did. Mm -hmm. My record is just that. It's, it's not... It's it's organic, and it's it's meant to cater to everyone, not to a certain demographic. It's it's not meant to be for just a little group of people in a bubble. It's meant for everybody. So, 
I wanted to take a leap and show them, you know, especially in the position that I'm I'm in now where I have people paying attention. I wanted to show not only the labels and the, and the record industry that, you know, you can make music and be any genre or all genres. But I also wanted to show that to the peop- the, the the younger musicians looking at me that they don't have to conform, they don't have to pick a genre, they don't have to be mathematical. They can just do what they feel and be artists. And and you know, and not and not have to be concerned with getting rich or getting famous or any of that stuff. Just make music. You know, just enjoy yourself and enjoy life and take the leap. You know, when you jump out of a plane, not that I would know because I have not done it, but when you jump out of a plane, you know, you're gonna be it's it's exhilarating and you're gonna be scared and you're gonna you're gonna feel, you know, terrified to some extent. You don't know if the parachute's gonna work. You don't know if, even if the parachute doesn't work, you might survive, but you don't right. know that. Um, all you can do is take the leap and, and just enjoy the moment, you know? And so that's, that's what I wanted to do with this record, is I just wanted to take that leap and enjoy the moment and just play music that I like and that I know other people like. Right. And that's it. Well put. Okay. This is from a Purple Music Lover. And they want to know, can you ask Adrian about the Palladium show again? He kind of glossed over last time that four-hour show that we did, uh, that you guys did, that we attended, that you guys did at the Palladium in Hollywood. I don't understand. What was the question about the show? I don't remember. <clears throat> they want to know what you remember from it. You kind of glossed over last time. Oh. Besides well, it being really long. Yeah. <laughs> it was it. And I funky. just remember that it was a really long show. <laughs> Uh, I remember that somebody was there. Uh, who was it? A very, very famous individual was there, and he bought the whole balcony. Elton John? Elton John was there, and he yeah. bought the whole balcony. Yeah, because I wanted to sit up there and chill, and then like Trevor came to me. He's like, I'll see, but Elton John bought the top. I don't know if we can bring up any of our own people. Yeah, I think um, – Man, that was a long, <laughs> that was a long show. Uh, yeah. You know, it was just a really good week. You know, that was a good week, man. Um, mm-hmm. We did Arsenio that week, mm-hmm. I think. Yes. Yeah, we did Arsenio. We had like a little after party at this bowling alley thing. We went to the movies. You know, um, we just got, you know, we got to see Prince in, in buddy form, you know. Mm-hmm. For a long period of time, which usually it came in little spurts, hmm. you know, but um, he was in a good mood, man. That's he cool. was proud. He was proud. So <sighs> he was proud of what we had accomplished and, and, and the noise that we were making. You, you got to understand that, like, finally, other artists were openly acknowledging their influence by Prince. I mean, everybody's influenced by him. But when mm. you got cats, basically, like other musicians from other bands were coming to us and saying, Thank you because you made us relevant again. Huh. Wow. So, especially the horns. You know, you look at how many how many pop stars have horn sections now. Right. And I can I can I mean I may be stepping out on a limb and being arrogant, but I can definitely say that that is majorly because of Prince. Um yeah. and because of the MPG horns. Uh, you know, and and you know, because a lot of them are having horns now. Um I'll give you an example. Uh I may be, I may be starting 
like in the next month or so, playing for a country artist. Oh. Um, and, you know, what I was told was that he's heavily influenced by uh, Justin Timberlake and Bruno Mars. Justin Timberlake and Bruno Mars are directly influenced by Prince. Yep. The reason why they have horns is because of Prince. Yep. So it's sure. almost like I've been grandfathered into my own grandfathered in gig. <laughs> you see how that works? So, That's cool. You know, it was great to see him in this. He was proud, man, and and he was happy, and he was almost boastful. You know, chin up and chin out. You know, like look, I have created fire. Look, you know, yeah. That's the attitude he had, and it was just really, you know, imagine being in little league football, and and your dad just watched you score your first touchdown. Mm. That's how it felt. You know, Mm -hmm. the way he looked at us was like that. And so, you know, he was proud of us and we were proud that he was proud of us. So that's what that's what I remember from that weekend the most. Now, very cool. We're always looking for exclusives on the Dr. Funk podcast. Can you name who the country artist may be? Because I think I know who it might be. But can you name it? All right. His name is Thomas Rhett. I really like Thomas Rhett. Do you guys know what I I yeah I didn't know who he hey, was he knows, at first. I, I know, was, I know I, who I his know dad. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know I, a couple I, of his songs. Now, of course, I know who he is now. Of course, and his music's awesome. Uh. Um, and uh, supposedly I'll be touring and playing keys with him and, and sax. So it'll be interesting. Uh, it's different because they do Definitely. what's called what we call weekend warriors. They go out, you know, they go out here and there for the weekends, mm-hmm. and and they come home. And I'm not used to that. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. We're, we're negotiating now, so we'll see if it happens or not. Very cool. cool. Good well, luck with that. Yeah. Of course, very different. I don't see too yeah. many country stars having sax players in their yeah. band. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very really intriguing. I'll say this. I'll say this about TR. Um, I haven't met him yet, but I'm already an admirer because hmm. you can't really you can't really categorize him as country. He's he's a pop star. Right. Um, his music is 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 it's crossing over man so i'm really excited even if i don't do the gig i'm really excited to see what happens and you know prince did write a a song at least one song for kenny rogers (laughs) that's on the islands in the stream album from back in the day from what i'm told so he even got into that i don't know if you ever heard that country version of him trying to do purple rain but no i haven't heard. yeah it's something else (laughs) you need to say that i need to hear that you got it it's in a (laughs) rehearsal with the revolution no one Uh, here's another question from twitter what was the most challenging thing about working with slash for prince what was your favorite thing and or most rewarding so the two-part question what was the most challenging thing about working with and for prince okay the first part what what was the challenging thing Mm -hmm. the most challenging thing was um the idea of being on call, uh, not knowing, you know, he didn't, you know, in hindsight, now looking back on everything, everything made sense, you know, but he didn't tell us things because he had to be in control. Mm-hmm. So in, in my, in my head, if you just explain something to me, I will, I will follow you into the pits of hell. <laughs> but <laughs> if you explain it to me the right way, you know, but the thing is, like a lot of times, things didn't make sense to us, and especially when we didn't know, 
what was going on. We didn't know where we we're going to be, how long we we're going to be there. That was the most frustrating thing. Getting a call at at you know six p.m. saying, or getting a call at ten p.m. or or two a.m. saying you have a flight at nine a.m. Oh man, you see what I'm saying? So like, yeah, yeah. that was the most challenging thing. No, uh, no. Now we know Prince yeah. liked he liked the the spontaneity, you know, first take is your best take and all that. Do you think that kind of played into the way that he thought that he just wanted to keep you guys on your toes and guessing? Yeah, I do. I think that the mystery of it all too. I think, you know, he was a mystery to so many people and and as long as he was that mystery, he had a, a certain power over you. And um so I think that, that that had a lot to do with it too, but also uh, I think that uh it allowed because you know I don't care how loyal everyone is, in every group there's always going to be a leak. So if he told us all what was going on, somebody was going to tell somebody. You see what I'm saying? Right. Somebody's going to say, oh, "I gotta." You know what? Oh, we're doing. Uh, you know, we're going to Houston. I I know I'm not supposed to tell, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna call my mom and tell her because she lives in Houston. You know, whatever. And then if, if you know, essentially your mom's gonna go tell her friends, "Oh, my baby's coming with Prince," and then it's all <laughs> over the place. Yeah. So. You know, I think it was the most challenging thing, but it also it made sense. You know, uh, even now I'm very uncomfortable with the idea of knowing what I'm going to be doing for the next six months. Like that's one of the biggest challenges with this whole country thing now is they have an itinerary, hmm. and that's something I I thought I wanted. I've always said, you know what, I want a gig where I have an itinerary, but it's also really scary because I'm so used to. Not knowing that it's like, okay, they've got this whole thing planned out. <laughs> what am I going right. to do with this? And so that would be, I guess, the most challenging. And then also, I think, also the other thing that was most challenging about about playing for Prince was um, being amongst so many talented people. Mm-hmm. You know, being and not being the big fish in the pond. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so... But of course, that's a positive too. So, right. and then the other question was, what were some of the most rewarding things? What was Is your that favorite thing and/or most rewarding? Yeah. Oh, uh, my favorite thing about working with Prince has to be anytime there was any kind of sarcasm, where it was just between me and him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if there was a moment where I got something that he did or he got something that I did or said and nobody else kind of caught it and then we would just make eye contact and he would smirk at me that is the most I wouldn't trade that that's the most valuable thing experience in the world to me um that's something I'll carry to my grave I mean it's just you know even now just just thinking about those moments are what make me weak you know just thinking about having those moments or, or a smirk or a laugh from him uh yeah man that's 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 got to be the most rewarding thing out of everything is just having a moment with just me and him yeah right uh, yeah that's cool <clears throat> now this is from sharon to shara uh first of all i just love the whole album i was wondering who is singing on the track sorry oh all right uh on Sorry, the singer is her name is Katera Anderson. I call her Sunshine because that's her nickname. But there's already a Sunshine Anderson vocalist. So this is a new and upcoming uh, vocalist out of Columbia, South Carolina. Her name is Katera Anderson. 
uh, very gifted. Um, and she actually sang it originally. She was singing it as a demo. Um, hmm. A lot of the songs on the record were supposed to be for different artists to come in and, and sing on. And they just all one by one started flaking on me. So <laughs> I was like, you know what? I had a moment and I said, you know what? I don't need that. I just, let's just do this with the people I know. And, and just, you know, it's good. You know, when I listened to her singing, I was like, you know what? She's probably singing this better than anybody else can, you know? And, uh, and it just sounded really good to me. And so I said, I'm, I'm keeping this, I'm keeping this. And why, why, you know, everybody, all these other artists, everybody's already heard them. Why not bring somebody else to the table that nobody's heard before? Right. You know, nobody, well, nobody in my circle, I don't mean to say that nobody's heard her because she's got a pretty good following too, but nobody in this, this half of the circle had heard her. So I figured, you know, why not? And she smashed and she was amazing. Just like, um, on uh, Give Love, Charles Jones, man, he, mm-hmm. oh man, he knocked it out of the park. I wrote that song for Anthony Hamilton to sing, uh-huh. and um, I, you know, I just couldn't get Anthony to sit down long enough. That Anthony's like family; he's like my big brother. Right. But I could never get him to sit down long enough to take a listen to the song and record it. And so I got tired of waiting, and I called Charles. Charles is a, uh, he's he plays keys and organ for uh, Raphael Sadiq, mm-hmm. and. Um, I've heard him sing a few times, and I was like, you know what? He's got a perfect voice for this. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I called him up, and he said, sure. He lives out here in L.A., by the way. So, yeah, so that was Katara Anderson on Sorry, to answer your question. Awesome, man. Love it. Now, here's another one from Ellen Johnston. <clears throat> uh-huh. I'd like to know what the process was for incorporating dance moves into the shows. Was there actual choreography we love the news. Please tell us if it was difficult, fun, etc. If it prints had any input, and love the MPG horns. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll give you the rundown on the process for how choreography would always become a part of the show. Mm. It all started at the MPG music parties. Hmm. Any kind of after party or disco party Prince would have. Uh, <laughs> A lot of the band members would go back to the bar. You know, after rehearsal would be over, Prince would say, we're going to have a party tonight, and you guys are welcome to join us. And for some of us, you know, in the beginning, it was like, oh, yeah, everybody's going to come. But we learned very we learned very quickly that very rarely was it actually a party. <laughs> it, was, it was usually just the DJ and us. No Ooh. guests. No, no new people, just the band and us and, and Prince and maybe somebody he had brought in and they would literally sit and people watch and look at us <laughs> on the dance floor. And, you know, it's just us. It's the band. It's Cassie and Shelby and Liv and us and, and the girls and, and, you know, you know, no, no outside people. So eventually once the rest of the band got hip to that, they would, uh, they would just stay at the bar. They'd be like, no, we're not going to go. But, uh, some of us said, you know what? When Prince invites you to something, you go. Right. Even if cause it's still work, you know? And and you never know who's going to be there, and you right. never know what it's going to be. And it could be the time that you say no, that could be the time where it's going to be something. Right. And very often, that's what would happen. <laughs> I feel like that he knew what he was doing. So he would invite everybody, and then he'd do this little lame party and get everybody, you know, hope, get their hopes up and then let them down. And then see what they would do next time. 
And then the next time after that, he would say, okay, I'm going to do a real party now. And so what would happen at these disco parties is that uh, <laughs> uh, there was no alcohol in Paisley Park, hmm. right? But BK Marcus and I, I'm going to tell on them because these are my boys and we can't get in trouble for it now. Hmm. But <laughs> we would uh, <laughs> we would fill up our water bottles or our little sippy cups and stuff with Grand Marnier. <laughs> <laughs> No, you would not. I would. Oh my! And then we would go, we would go to the the disco party and get toasted, and, <laughs> and then pick pick fights like pick dance fights with Josh Welton. Uh oh, oh, that's not Hannah's a good thing name. to do, right? Oh, I've we seen would him dance. Oh, we, just, we would just because we knew we knew he couldn't resist. We right. knew he couldn't resist, <laughs> <laughs> and he would take it so seriously, you know, because Josh, you don't back down from a dance battle. And uh, the problem is, BK and I would be just be having fun. Mm. Marcus would get sensitive about it and take it personally and want to actually have a dance battle. <laughs> so between Marcus and Josh, it became like this rivalry of dancing. And uh, so they would get really serious. And Prince just thought it was hilarious. And um, we would always come back. Next time we came to the dance party, we knew we were going to have some new choreography. And so we'd end up doing some some nice new choreography, uh, Marcus, BK, and I. Mm-hmm. And then Prince would, you know, peep it and be like, you know, he wouldn't say anything. But then the next day at rehearsal, he'd come and say, hey, you guys remember that thing you did last night? Can you do it on this song? You know, and then mm-hmm. we'd incorporate it. But you have to keep in mind that, you know, even before that, uh, when we first came in, the reason why we were brought in is because we were known to be able to dance as horn players. We were brought in to back Andy Allo as mm. dancing horn players. And so it was no secret that we knew how to dance. That's that's what got that's what got us the gig. Um so yeah, that's how dancing became incorporated into the stuff. Uh and then sometimes Prince would come up with some choreography and we would do that. You know? Um because he had some of the stuff from back back in the day. And, you know, of course, Kirk would come in and laugh and say, I used to do that. I used to do that. So. <laughs> With the Game Boys. Yeah. <laughs> now, so we it, show him. We had to show him. Uh, and if anyone was at the Montreux Jazz Festival in 2013, they would have seen oh, that yeah. firsthand the dance battle with the three of you oh, against man. Josh. Listen, that wasn't a battle. I, 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 listen, that was not a battle. Because I'm gonna tell you why that wasn't a battle. Because like I said, Marcus got too sensitive and he wanted to take Josh on by himself. So Josh was on a roll. I remember this like it was yesterday because we should not have lost. But Josh is on a roll. Two things happened that made us that cost us that battle. We should never have lost that battle, and there's three against one. It should not have been that bad. We got beat. Josh beat us because <laughs> number one, BK decided to do a leapfrog. Yeah, yeah, they did a leapfrog, and we had to follow him. We had to follow him. He said he called it. It was his turn. He called leapfrog. We had to do it. Right. <laughs> my go-to is always spinning on my head. I spin on my head. The boys take my legs and spin me around. Josh can't do that because he has nobody to spin him. That's so right. I knew, you know what? That that will win. But BK did the leapfrog, and then Marcus <laughs> did his thing, and then Marcus wanted to keep taking turns instead of 
instead of us going around. And then finally Prince called it because Josh did some dope move. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but he did like some backflip. Back yeah, he did a backflip or something. Weird thing. You know, none of too us could fun. do that because we were too chubby. <clears throat> yeah. And <laughs> well, and you almost died on that stage. I saw during that show. Oh, man, they had yeah, to bring you back to life. Lovable. Extra lovable, man. That's that's what they do in the video of it. It's awesome. That was just that performance was one of the most amazing performances I've seen Prince do, and it was because of you guys. That was just you guys were the heartbeat and just ah oh, yeah, man. What a great what a those, great show. Those shows, those the Montreux shows and the uh, the North Sea Jazz shows in, in Curacao. You could really, really, if you go back and look at like the image images from that. You can see the pride in his face. Hmm. I mean, you can just blatantly see the pride in his face of, of what this this ensemble he had created. Yeah. And I think that um, while I think that he was proud of every group that he created, um, this was just like a new height. And he was really, really excited. Just I've never seen him, you know, excited like that. I've seen him excited, but I've never seen him boast like that, you know. Hmm. Where he would just literally open his arms and just look yeah. what I've done, you know, yeah. look what we look what we have here. You're never gonna, you know, that's like saying you're never gonna experience this anywhere else, and you won't, no. you won't. So it's like it's amazing. Now, <clears throat> another question from Corinne Blickenshop. If I ruin that, I apologize. <laughs> uh, sh- her question is: Walk us through Revelation. Oh man, you know what? Marcus should walk you guys through Revolution, Re- Revelation because he recorded it. Oh, see, I played, I played the live, I played the only live performance of it, but um, but Marcus actually did it in the studio uh, with the. I think they were doing that when they were doing the MPGQ, the jazz jazz group, MPG Jazz. Yeah. Um, but it's a beautiful song. <sighs> yes, and. When I first heard it and I played on it, he told me to play soprano, you know, and uh, I played it and then he sent me the recording. And as soon as I heard it, you know, I heard Marcus and I was like, okay, you know, I went home, I, I'm listening to it and I played, played around with it and I'm listening to Marcus play and I'm talking on the phone with Marcus, you know, and, uh, and then I go back in for rehearsal the next day and I play it. And of course, I'm not going to play what Marcus played. Of course not. Uh, but he was like, play it like the recording. And so I had to go home. I had to go back to my hotel and transcribe Marcus's solo. And I'm talking to Marcus the whole time, of course, because we talk all the time, like 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 teenage girls. We just talk all the time, <laughs> when we're, even if it's not about anything. Um, and I'm just going off on Marcus, like, I don't want to play your damn solo, you know. Why is he making me play your solo? And Marcus is just like, yeah, that's right. You don't play my solo, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but no, I mean, you know, that song is probably going to be, if, if 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 we look back uh, ten years from now, that song is still going to be as powerful as it is today. Yeah, it's going to be remembered as one of his most prolific and last tunes. And that's what I was telling Marcus is I was like, I'm really jealous of you because you. You're going to be immortalized by that. <laughs> and, uh, and that's a good thing to be immortalized by. 
Oh, show. Now we have, this is more of a statement than a question, but she just wanted to put it out there. From Natalie Cicero-Abel, I'd like to tell him thanks. I love him and his beautifully good sax. Hmm. Oh. Hey. You can't Am see the, the happy dance. Hey. <laughs> now this is from William Dean Mace. Tell him we want to know when are you coming to Minneapolis again? Do we need to do we need do you need us to bug the Dakota to book you? They'll totally do it. That's exactly what I need you to do. All right. <laughs> there you go. That's, exactly, that's exactly it. As a matter of fact, I'll take it a step further. How about you do this? Bug them to do a, a show where it's a bunch of us, not just me. Let's mm-hmm. bring me, Marcus, Liv, Judith, Shelby, whoever we can get to come and do a show at the Dakota. Yeah. Can we get that in L.A. too, aside from the Mint? And seeing you, we'd love all that too, man. Or Sayers Club or wherever we can get it. Listen, we that's what I'm saying, man. That's the beauty of this whole thing, man. I put up a meme today uh, that I put up before you've seen it. But it says, did you really think it would end with Prince? You know, um, the Purple Army is still here and we're growing. Mm. You know, like there are children. There are children playing Prince records now. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yep. And 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 their children are gonna play Prince. You know what I'm saying? So right. we're not going anywhere. And right. and and we might as well celebrate. And what better way to do it than to to showcase his proteges? Mm-hmm. Not just me, not just Liv, not just Judith, not just Andy, everybody, you know? Because all of these people are artists and, and we've all got product and we've all got something to share. And we've all got something to share that was influenced by him. You see what I'm saying? So yep. I think it's beautiful. As a matter of fact, what I would love to see is like an annual festival in Minneapolis uh, to celebrate his influence hmm. and bringing in bands and artists that are directly influenced by him for the festival, like a whole weekend thing. That would be beautiful. Right. That would be cool. <clears throat> see, we were bringing up last time. I was just kind of joking about having like – Funkenberry events at a club in LA or whatever, but there was someone with a little bit of money that said that's not a bad idea. Hey, so if you build it, they will come. I'm if you build down. it, they will come. I can't play anything I can host. I can bring some yes. special mixes that you can't hear anywhere else. But hey, you know, <laughs> just in case we can't get Linka or Dudley or uh, DJ to the Max to come out here, you know. But who knows? You know, Rashid. Hmm. Isn't Rashida out here? Yes, yeah, see Rashida. That's what someone said as well. Rashida in the mix. I know she's got a a, a girl, a little baby girl, precious little girl, but maybe we can get up yeah, on that does. as well. Yeah. So see, that's gonna be another generation of uh, purple right see? there. That little baby girl. That's right. Keep it going. Now, was there anything that we haven't discussed this time or when we had you on previously that you kind of said, dang, I wish I would have said this when it came to Prince or anything else? You know, I'm the worst at that, and you know that. Um, the first couple I keep times you, talk, all I could talk about was my Xbox because I, I couldn't think of anything else to talk about. Uh-huh. Did Prince play the Xbox? No, I don't think so. Uh, not no, to my you guys. knowledge. He, he liked to uh, – I didn't even talk about the Xbox with him. I brought it. You know, I used to bring it to uh, – I used to bring it to Chanhassen with me, uh-huh. and we would play uh, – me and Julia and, and BK would play uh, mm-hmm. like the dance games on the Xbox Connect. But yeah, um, 
I can't think of anything off the top of my head except for the fact I'm just excited. I'm excited for what's coming, man. I don't know what it is, but I'm just excited for it. And uh, I'm excited for everybody who's involved. You know, everybody who's taking the leap out there. I'm so that's what it is. I'm really excited because I, you know what? I can't see the uh, the album sales and pre-orders on the digital distribution. I can't see it yet because it hasn't registered with the uh, reports yet. Right. And so I'm just really excited because I know it's good, and mm-hmm. I know it's getting traffic, but I can't see it, and that just builds up this anticipation, and makes me even more excited. And I'm just really happy that everybody actually, um, everybody's actually enjoying it as much as they are. Because, like I said, the industry literally told me, I was literally told that this record was too aggressive, mm. it was too urban, it wasn't to format, and that it would not sell. They go. told me it wouldn't make Billboard. They told me, you know, and so to see people actually receiving it the way they are is really exciting. Because you have to remember, like I said, I made a decision. Not to care, I, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I love that people are enjoying this music, but this is music for me. You know, this is just therapeutic for me. I would hope that it would be therapeutic for everyone else, but I had to make a decision that if I'm going to be an artist, I have to be able to express myself. Not, right. and it shouldn't depend on what everybody else thinks, because then it's not art. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. So I'm just really, really happy that people actually are enjoying the record as much as I do. And so <laughs> yeah. that gives me faith in the music industry. And really we're looking does. forward to hearing it live, man. Oh, can't wait. <clears throat> now, this one girl all the time, she bugs me. Every time we have someone on, you got to find more funny Prince stories. We want to hear more funny Prince stories. Is there a funny Prince story that you can think of right now? Anytime somebody says funny Prince story, there are two that come to mind. All right. And I think I've already told you. Or have I not? Which ones? One, one is from backstage at the House of Blues in Chicago, where I tried to offer him a gift. I don't and think I heard that. The one. other is from watching the Pacquiao fight. From the which one? Have I not told? You? One is from watching the Manny Pacquiao fight. Marquez Pacquiao fight. I haven't heard either of those, so let's begin. Let's go back to Chicago House of Blues. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm probably going to get in trouble because I'm not supposed to talk about these things. But, hey, you know what? We're going to talk about them today. All right. Um, Cool. (laughs) So. This is a safe place. That's right. It was our first. Yeah, it's a safe place. It was our first. uh, We had just played the United Center. Mm -hmm. And. that's the that's the arena, right? In Chicago? Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. Yeah. So we had just that was our first show as MPG Horns. We had been rehearsing for like maybe a month and a half before that. And we played that show. Uh the one with uh where uh the, the, the benefit show with Rosario and, and Van and uh Andy did the show and uh I think uh, uh Jennifer Hudson came on and sang with us at one point. Oh, wow. But it was our first performance. And so after that, of course, we did the after parties at the House of Blues. And uh, he had flown Maceo Parker in. Hmm. And so we're backstage. And this is another pride moment. I used to have an endorsement uh, with a company called Slap Watch. They make watches that are slap bracelets. 
They're pretty cool. And you can mm-hmm. switch out the faces to different colors and all that stuff. So anyway, uh, you'll notice I don't wear watches anymore. <laughs> uh, it's because of this situation. Um, so I had had slap watch send bundles. Anytime I go on tour with somebody, I get them a whole set of slap watches. They get like 20 of them. Hmm, wow. And um, all the different colors. There's all the different patterns, and you can take the faces out of each one and replace them and mismatch them. So we're backstage, and uh, Prince says to Maceo, "So what do you uh, what do you think about what do you think about my horn section? You know, we had just finished playing People Pleaser, mm-hmm. and uh, Maceo is basically like, I don't understand why you flew me out here. These boys doing everything, <laughs> you know, and uh, so like." You know, sideways compliment, but you know, so mm. Prince is smirking, you like, yeah, you know. So then, uh, Joey Rayfield and I are standing there, and and I said, hey man, you know, I, I had the I had the watches backstage, so I said, hey man, uh, we're in the staircase. I said, I just wanted to say, you know, in case I don't get a chance to say it to you directly, I wanted to say thank you for the opportunity and for having us out here, and you know, I'm really enjoying myself and I'm having a good time, and hope you hope you're enjoying us. But I wanted to give you something to show as a token of my appreciation. So, you know, I want you to accept these these watches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got his cane. He's leaned up against the wall. And he's, you know, he's looking and he just says, uh, he says, those are nice. You should give them to Andy. And uh, I said, uh, I said, yeah, I, I said, Andy's got her own set. I said, <laughs> I gave her a set. I said, this is for you. These These are for you. And he looked at them. And he kind of thought about it for a second, and then he kind of got off the wall, and he starts to walk away. And he looks at me and says, "I don't need no watch. I already know what time it is." And then he walks away. <laughs> oh damn! And I'm sitting Classic there. Prince. Yeah, I don't need no watch. I already know what time it is. And he walks away like he struts away. And the way he struts away, I'm thinking, I just did the most uncool thing in the world, and I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> And there were all these, there was always these little moments where he would do something like that and I would think that I was going to get fired. And so uh, that was the first one. Uh, the other one that comes to mind is um, uh, at, at Paisley Park, we watched the Marquez Pacquiao fight. Hmm. And apparently Prince was a Pacquiao fan. Hmm. But I was going for Marquez that night, hmm. and, and uh, just because I like going out for the underdog, right. and uh, I told everybody, you know, we're all watching the fight, me and the boys, and Prince is sitting kind of behind us, and uh, I told everybody, I said he's going to knock him out. I said he's going, he's going to let him tire himself out, and then he's going to just move out of the way and let him hit the ground, and that's almost exactly what he did. He just snuffed him. Uh, Pacquiao went for a hook, and 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 Marquez caught him while he was wide open yep. and and Pacquiao started planking. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that fight, but I remember that. that I jumped crazy. up out of my chair. I jumped up out of my chair, you know, just like you do with the boys when you're watching sports, you know. I'm talking trash to the guys. <laughs> I told you. What? What? Somebody call his mama. Somebody call his mama. He is out. And of course, his mom comes running down to the side of the, the canvas. Mm-hmm. And they're screaming and crying because he's planking. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, doing the head bob and talking trash to the rest of the fellas. Like, I told you. I told you. 
somebody call his mama. And I look up, and you know, I, I realize where I am, and I start trying to get back cool. And I look, I'm looking around for Prince to see if he's looking, and I don't see him. And you know, he's a master of disappearing. He's a master of appearing and disappearing. Mm-hmm. And I look around the room, and I see him going through a doorway. And before the door closes, he makes eye contact with me as the door is closing. Oh, no. And I just shuddered like, oh, man, I messed up. And so I went back to my room. I went back to the hotel, and I started packing my stuff. (laughs) And I wrote a message. I wrote a message to management saying to tell Prince thanks for inviting us to watch the fight with him. You know, on behalf of the horn section, and we had a really good time. And you know, I tried to like save face, and uh, you know, I was I was prepared. I was like, okay, they're gonna hit me back and tell me that I have a plane ticket in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wrote me back and they said, he said, uh, he said, thanks. Glad you had a good time. Um, there will be no more boxing at Paisley Park. <laughs> uh, see you on Monday. Oh. So Whew. one side I was. I made him mad. On the other side, I was like, oh, at least I still have the gig. So that was a funny experience, too. <laughs> wow. That is so cool. Yeah. Pacquiao. Who All knew? Right. Who knew he was a Pacquiao fan? Now yeah, man. Know. I thought I I love it. Thank you so much for sharing, yeah, Adrian. Like Pacquiao. Pacquiao. We are so looking forward to the shows. We're looking forward to having a physical CD in my hands at the shows. That's right. Yeah. Are you going to be like uh, signing CDs afterwards? Yes, I will. I will be signing them. Cool. Cool. Anything else, Adrian, before we let you go, before we have you on again another time? Um, But till then. All I can say is to everybody who's listening, thank you. I love you. Uh, I can't say I can't say either one of those enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do watch. I see the things that you guys write. I see when you guys tag me and stuff, and I love it. And I'm gonna keep representing um, until my last breath. And, and I mean, it just doesn't matter. No matter no no matter what they say, no matter what they do, I'm gonna keep doing what I do, and I'm gonna keep representing him. And I hope that you do the same. And I will see you guys very soon. Awesome. Slamming, Adrian. Thank you so much. I always love having you on. Can't wait to have you on again. Good luck with the country gig, my friend. Okay. All right, fellas. I'll see you soon. Peace, man. Much love. See you soon. Uh, Man, I love having Adrian on. That was Adrian Crutchfield, everyone. Make sure to pick up his new album, Leap, which is available on iTunes. Physical CD is available right now through peer-to-peer distribution, which we're going to be picking up live in concert when we see Adrian. Going to be a good time. Uh, can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait till we get next episode. Can't we? Should we tell the lineup of guests we got going on? Sure. Go ahead. Why don't you tease it? Ida, Ida Nielsen, Ida Bass. She's going to be in town too, so we're going to make sure to sit down with her and talk to her. Let's talk great. to Shelby J. She wants to be on the show. We're going to have Elisa Fiorillo, Lisa Deese, Sam Jennings, so much more coming up. Cannot wait. 
Thank you guys so much for listening, for subscribing, for tweeting, for Facebooking, for getting the word out on message boards, wherever. Thank you guys so much. Much love. Till next time. Keep it frosty.